Well, uh, this morning uh, is Vision Sunday. Uh, once every year, we love to take a moment to stop and we want to look back. We want to say thank you to God for everything that's happened over the last 12 months. We want to think together about what God is saying now and we want to look forward. We want to look forward with hope and excitement about what God is, God is going to do next. Um, before Lord Chen, I want to give you permission. So as we take some time to say thank you and get excited for the future, if, if you hear something which is like, that is exciting and I am grateful for that, um, feel free not to be English, but to clap or cheer or, or holler or whatever you need to do. Like, it, don't worry, we won't interpret it as like, wow, let's big up like vintage. But actually, it's like a deeply biblical principle to just be grateful, to be grateful for what God has done. Um, so as we go for, through, we're gonna, we're gonna name some people and say thank you for, for what God um, has done. So uh, here at Vintage, we have a very simple but big and grand vision, which is to see God's kingdom come to our communities by making disciples who live as whole life followers of Jesus. Effectively, we believe that the good news of Jesus changes lives. That's simple. And that therefore, if we want to see our streets and our neighborhoods and our schools and our communities change, we want to see God's kingdom come to individual people who would then go on and give their whole lives to Jesus. And we, we live out that grand vision really in the four values. And you've probably seen these written down if you've been to a new to vintage or something like that recently. Um, the first is that we, we long to be a word and spirit community, that we believe the Bible changes lives. We believe that it is God's word, non-negotiable for fullness of thriving. And we also believe that God continues to speak today in lots of different ways to encounter us and speak uh, into our stories. Our second value is that we long to have intimacy with God. We don't just want to actually know about God because that's just religion, but we really want to know him deeply. We want him to change our lives. And so we spend time deeply in his presence. We want to be a community that feels like a great family. I don't know if your family was great or not, but we want to be a community that actually loves one another deeply and knows one another. And finally, we want to be an outward community, one that looks out to the streets around us, to the world, to the communities around, believing that the kingdom is coming and it's for everyone. Um, and so a couple of years ago in the deepest, darkest part of the pandemic, if you can remember back that long, some of our leadership went uh, away and we, we tried to unpack those seven statements. We wanted to say like, God, what does that actually mean in like non-Christian terms? And these were, these were some of the things that we dreamt of for vintage when we wrote them down. We said, number one, we, we want to grow to understand the fullness of God's grace and truth as we teach the Bible, as we want to allow it to transform our lives. Number two, we long that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would work visibly in our community as people use their spiritual gifts and we see signs and wonders occur. Number three, we, we long to grow in intimacy with God through charismatic worship and prayer. Number four, that we would be a diverse community of all ages who share deeply with one another in worship, small groups, and ministries. Number five, that we would create welcoming spaces for people to explore faith, that we'd equip our church to build redemptive relationships and we would see people come to faith in Jesus. Then we would grow as we serve God through acts of love, care, and ministering to the lost, the lonely, and the least. And finally, that we would equip leaders to plant new churches and advance the kingdom. Now, uh, if you're new to Vintage, I don't know how you've experienced us. I don't know what you've experienced of God yet, but we're certainly on a journey. 
we're on an adventure of seeing those things come more fully to pass. But I imagine, like for lots of us, we're, we're new to vintage. Let's, let's just humor me with a little show of hands for a minute. If you've been around this vintage community for less than three months, would you just put up a hand? Happy stick sixing. It's, it's, I don't know what number you're on, but welcome. Welcome, you guys. Um, if you've been here less than a year, uh, less than two years, okay, which basically makes me assume that everyone else is an OG. Uh, I don't think you all are, but um, <laughs> this has been an amazing story. You know, Vintage we only launched three and a half years ago, uh, January 2020, just before the pandemic. We beat the pandemic into existence by six weeks. Uh, so it's been quite a ride. And we've only, of course, been in this building um, for just about six, that year and three, four, five months now. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible to see like all that uh, God has done. And, and honestly, like it's hard to remember even everything. I, I have no idea anymore how old I am or how much hair I had when I arrived at Vintage or what it was really like back then. But, but it's amazing, isn't it, to see the stories of lives changed and things unfolding. Um, and maybe you've, maybe you've sensed it. Maybe, maybe you've felt it. Um, a year ago, I actually took a bit of time away from Vintage to ask the Lord, like, what, what would you like to say to us for the 2022 and the 2023 academic year? What did you want to say to us for the next year? And um, if you were at the Vintage, vintage Visions um, uh, service last year, you would have heard me um, with the words, that, uh, and you'll see this little clip on the screen from last year. I just felt the Lord give me a, a kind of very unusual picture for the life of vintage, which I wanted to share with you. Um, and it was a picture of a, of a big sailing yacht. I've got a picture of one up here on the screen. There it is. Um, that's called a maxi. And I grew up on this, well, just was born on this little island off the south coast of England. And it's where the round-the-world yacht races start. And, and one of those is a 60-foot sailing yacht, which if you ever see one in harbour, it's, it's not that impressive. It's quite, quite big. But if you ever get a chance to see one out in the open ocean, it's one of the most beautiful sights you can ever see as the wind blows across the bows of these kind of ships and fills its sails as the boat reaches in the ocean. It is just astonishing to watch. And I felt the Lord give me that as a picture for, for us at Vintage. And I, I could see in, in my mind's eye as I was praying, I, I could see the last three years. I could see this boat as it had taken shape. Firstly, it had been in a dry dock and the hull had been formed from a mold and you know, the basic structure had been put together. But then the boat had gone actually out into, into the water. And unlike probably a real boat being built, it had been built as it started its voyage out into the harbor. I could see the mast going up. I could see the sails being rigged. I could see crew members coming on board and finding their places. But if you've ever sailed, you know that some of the hardest bits of sailing is actually when you set off through the from the harbor or, or right close to the shore because the water's quite shallow because there's quite a lot of other vessels around because it can be quite choppy where the waves crash on, on the shore. And I could see that this boat, our church, had, had had to navigate through a lot of choppy waters through its first years. We'd had to figure a lot of stuff out. We'd had to change direction a lot as we've been through the pandemic. But I could also see that the ship wasn't there anymore. The yacht was further out into the bay. And in the bay, it was deeper. It was beautiful. The boat could head in a straight line. But, but I could also see that it wasn't that windy. If 
you've ever sailed in a, in a bay which is sheltered by a headland, you'll know that actually the whole point of having inhabitants and dwelling and boats there is because it's a bit sheltered from the full force of the wind. And I could see that we were still yet to pass a big headland. And the big headland had various words, I think, written on it for the life of the church relating to this summer. But the soon we were going to pass through it, and I, and I just felt what, what the Lord wanted us to know was that we were about to move into a new season. And I think in many ways, I think we, we saw that over the last year. We've seen incredible things happen. If you have been around Sundays, you probably felt as things have developed and grown. Maybe a year ago, you, you were like, well, I could like, park wherever I wanted to park in the parking lot, and I could have my own like, pew to lie down on when Ben's getting a bit boring in church. Um, obviously, now it's a little bit different. It's getting kind of full in here. We actually have um, around 40 to 50% more adults with us on a Sunday morning, which is incredible every week. Um, and we have, like, which I think is even more exciting, we have about 70% more kids every single week. Yeah, I think that's exciting. Good cheering. Well done. Excellent. Um, but I think I want to just take a moment to, to say thank you to God for the work, particularly of our V Families team. Uh, we have so many new little people here. And I don't know if it's because the rumor has got round that whoever gives birth to the child closest to Christmas gets to be baby Jesus in the nativity. Like, I don't know if it's that or, or whether it's actually just the amazing ministry of people like Camilla. Um, and some of you know Camilla. She's been our, yeah, our V uh, family zero to fives pastor. And she's built an incredible community of young families. Like today, um, I mention her particularly because sadly, she's going to transition from being a staff member to a volunteer over the next two or three weeks because she's taken up a role, an academic role in the city. Um, but we're so grateful. So she can't hear, but let's just give, we, can we give her a little round of applause? She'll get it on the live stream. She'll hear it. Um, it's been amazing. Maybe um, you've seen it in community groups. We have more and more community groups and more leaders being trained up every single um, time round. And so we're super grateful for all those people. And, and even if you're not a leader this time, but you have been a leader the last year, can we, can we just say thank you to you guys? Um, Uh, it is a lot to be a community group leader. It takes a lot. And so thank you. Thank you guys for sacrificing your homes and food and everything um, to do that. I feel like we've seen a lot like across the year. I mean, I think back with like fond memories to like the big highlights of the last year. Um, I, think, I think about Christmas. Anyone here at Christmas? There were more than four people here at Christmas. I know, I know that. Um, there's a picture on the screen, all the candles, the first outing of the vintage choir, um, and of course, the wonderful Mark Jennings in his armchair on the stage. Anyone remember that? That was, that was good. Uh, I think about Easter. We had about 800 people here over our Easter services, over Easter weekend. Uh, and by probably my highlight of the whole year, and I hope the audio is going to work on this clip, right? He, the, these were some of the testimonies of, of what happened. See if you can hear some of the stories of, from baptisms. The first time I actually felt a relationship with God. And so that's when I decided to follow Jesus. I have started a new life in so many different ways. So it just made perfect sense that it was time for me to get baptized. Before, you know, giving my life to Christ, I 
was just a completely different person. And you could just feel it. I have a calling now more than ever to be baptized. I knew I was something different, something set aside. The full picture hasn't been opened up yet, but I'm still on my journey. I'm looking forward to whatever it is because I know I'm be led by the Spirit. I don't remember my life without Christ. I started to read the Bible this year and I felt like God was speaking to me. I have hope in Jesus Christ and when I pray, I feel great. I met God at Focus UK last year um, when I was worshiping. Um, since then, I have had a close relationship with God and now I want to get baptized to show that God is my King. Just amazing, isn't it? That's, that's what we're really here for. That's what we're really here, is to see how God just changes lives over and um, over and over uh, again. And so, um, so much, so much has happened. We've had our first discipleship cohorts with Tim and Jenny Gensky on, with Rooted. We've had worship nights, which Tom has led us in. Um, we've had creative like spaces. Um, and here are some of your wonderful creative people in our church. If you wondered if they were painting me, they're not painting me. This is about worship, so um, it's amazing to have those. We've had Kingdom Comes, prayer nights. We've seen development of prayer ministry teams growing and Victor, the wonderful Victor Long, like Saint Victor. I don't know where you are, but wherever you are, um, it's been amazing. Um, but I'm also grateful that it's been more than us. We had our first Focus uh, Vintage retreat with the other couple of churches in the Vintage Network. If you, anyone, come, anyone come to Focus this year? Yeah, there were a hundred and something of us at Focus, which was amazing. We had people like John Mark Comer and Glenn Packiam and Ben Chase and just other people, not no, other people. Uh, and we had a wonderful time uh, together. And of course, it's been, it's been really about being outward too. Uh, we, we this year have been able to be involved in our community through things like Alpha. Um, we've worked with mission partners through STARS. Uh, through Door of Hope. I think we've got the Door of Hope Christmas event. Oh, not that one. Next one. No, maybe not that one. Um, some of you guys were out with the teams at Christmas. Uh, some of you guys have, as you see the picture on the screen, been in Mexico. And actually, we've got a team this morning in Mexico. Uh, this was taken, actually, I think yesterday. And a whole bunch of people from Vintage have been partnering with the local church in San Quintin on the Baja and they've been there to simply to, to bring the good news of Jesus and to partner with local churches to bring health care and the good news of the gospel in so many practical um, ways. And, and it's just amazing. Like, it's, I, it's just incredible. Uh, but I, I think it's, I particularly want to just name it in two categories. I think, firstly, I want to name it for thank you for your time and your talent. Uh, it takes a lot. Um, to do anything around here. On any given Sunday morning, we have 30 to 40 volunteers just serving in different spaces around this building. But actually across the whole life of Vintage, we have 170 adults now who are serving once, twice, or three times, or even 12 times a week, a month, a week, not a week, a month, um, in different teams, different teams to do anything from kids and youth to stuff in the building and people like Martine and Joshua and Bob who've been helping us with SAC and those kind of ideas, that's a pretty big deal, um, all the way through to teams going to, uh, to Mexico. Um, but I also know that you've just given, you've given so generously. 
Our board and our finance team set us last year the goal of increasing our giving by like 50%, which quite frankly freaked me out uh, when I heard that number. But amazingly, just as we crossed over into the end of the last fiscal year, like we just about hit that target, um, which is amazing. And there's no sugar daddies, you know, there's no one else. It was, it was us together as God multiplied what we gave. Um, and so thank you. Like genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, and I know from Laura's, like thank you. Thank you for being uh, family to us. Thank you for being on the adventure with us. We uh, often pinch ourselves and say like, it, we can't believe that we get to do this. So thank you for doing it with us. Thank you. But what's coming next, I think could be even more exciting, honestly. Um, this summer, I, I took a moment to, again, just stop and just to say, God, like, what would, you, what would you want to say next to Vintage? And I felt that the Lord gave me a picture, again, of, of a sailing vessel. Um, it was very similar, maybe a little bit like the one that's coming up on the screen now. But whereas the last one, last year, I felt like we were just still in the harbor, just going out into the bay. We hadn't yet seen fully, like, the effects of the wind in the sails of the ship, I feel like, you know, now as I saw this sailing vessel, I saw it, you know, out in the ocean. It was like roaring through, the wind was blowing and it was picking up speed. And it was exciting to see it, just amazing to see it. But particularly, like what caught my eye was actually the crew on board. I had to use a different picture here, but I don't know if you've ever seen a, a big ocean-going sailing yacht. It actually takes quite a big crew of people all working together in unity together with incredibly close sense of purpose to enable the ship to be safe and to move forward. And it reminded me that, that actually, if you ever look at those, those great sports teams, and if you've ever like, been watching some of those cool new sports documentaries about the inner workings of brilliant teams, that's like one of my secret favorite things to do on Amazon. Um, but I, if you look at those teams, often what sets them apart, I think, is the way that they come from different backgrounds, like players from different nations don't even necessarily speak the same language, they don't like the same stuff, they probably wouldn't listen to the same kind of music. But somehow when they go out, right, they go out onto the court, the field, the pitch, like they can move and act in such a way that they are so tightly unified together that it almost looks like you're looking at one thing and not 10 things or 15 people. Right, and sports psychologists have looked at them and said, well, how does that happen? Like, how is it possible that that group of people could be so unified as to look like one thing? And what they basically have discovered is that, that it's all down to the shared sense of purpose and unity that they hold because they know exactly why they're there. They know exactly what they're trying to do together. Now, obviously, for a sports team, that's, it's crossing an ocean or it's scoring a goal or it's winning but I felt like it was a picture that the Lord gave me for vintage to say that it's also about the church being together. That, that actually there is a call upon vintage like there is on almost every church, I think, which is to be the kind of people who come from great diversity, from totally different kinds of backgrounds, different nationalities, different languages, but are called to a time and a space for a purpose. And the purpose is Jesus. The purpose is Jesus and making his name known in the world. And I was, as I was praying it through and just wrestling with the Lord a little, I, I um, just got drawn to Romans chapter 15. And so we're going to read uh, Romans 15, 
uh, 1 through 13 together. It's going to be up on the screens, but um, if you've uh, got it, then you're welcome to do that. I'm looking around for who's reading it. There he is. Romans 15, 1 through 13. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Jesus Christ had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promise made to the patriarchs might be confirmed and, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praise of your name. Again it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now this passage um, that's written is a letter to the early church. And like a lot of the early church letters, it's about different groups of people all coming together to be a church community. And if you look at the Roman Empire of 2,000 years ago, you'd have seen a picture of, of great division. You'd have seen male and female and dividing lines. You'd have seen rich and poor, slave and free, Greeks and Romans and Jews. And even within particular sects, you would have seen dividing lines like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And people just honestly didn't get on very well. But when the church and the power of the Holy Spirit like sprung into life, one of the things that set it apart as being so radically different was the way that it mirrored diversity, different types of people. But when Paul writes in this moment, he's actually talking to two specific groups. And on one side, you've got like the OG Jews. They've been like the people who have carried the, like the flame for God for millennia. They've been the people who've had the tradition and the rituals. They've had particular ways of like doing things, maybe um, traditions and what you say and what you eat. In many ways, they were the people who thought that they were the real deal. But on the other side, you had new Gentile converts, people who didn't have the tradition. They didn't have all the history. They didn't have particular ways of doing things, but they too had like fallen in love with Jesus. And Paul's writing in this moment because on one side, like the Jews are saying to the Gentiles, yeah, you can follow Jesus, but only if you do all the traditions that we do. Only if you've got the same language that we have, only if you follow the rituals that we follow. And the Gentiles are coming back and saying, well, we don't want to follow Jesus the way that you did. We want to follow him within our cultural moment, within our time, within our background. And I find it fascinating 
Because it strikes me that we also, as Christians in the West, live in a moment like that today. I think about my parents' generation. I think about my grandparents. I think about just the incredible, sacrificial, servant-hearted commitment that they gave for the gospel. I think about the way that they tithed and they served and they volunteered, that they built churches and kept going day after day, week after week. But I also know that in this moment, I speak to increasing numbers of young people who are like, but it's different now. Like actually saying, we've got questions. We want to follow Jesus too, but we're not sure we want to follow it in the ways that our parents followed him. We're not sure we want to follow the same traditions or the same patterns or the same ways of being. Like we actually are in a moment of wanting to deconstruct some things in order to figure out what Jesus means in this cultural moment. And I look around honestly at the the wider church and I see like, almost a level of division, a level of suspicion, a level of wanting to do our own things with the people who already agree with us. But I love, I love what Paul says. Notice what he says in verse two. He said, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And we says the word neighbors there. He's not talking about like Ned Flanders or he's the guy. You know, anyone watch Home Improvement? Anyone ever watched that show a long time ago? What was the neighbor? It was like um, Wilson. Wilson? Sorry, I've just aged myself entirely in that there. But right, he's not talking about your next door neighbor, but he's talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, serve, love, encourage, bear with each other, bless them. In fact, he says, have the same attitude that Christ had. And he's quoting himself in Philippians 2 when he says of Jesus, Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for its own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness. See that there's something about the Christian life which is supposed to not have a, we've got this all right, everyone must agree with us on everything, but actually almost a posture of servant-hearted humility, of intrigue, of being with others, not because they actually agree with us on every tiny point. You know, I look back at the last 300 years, and and in fact, 500 years, and the church across the world has done an incredibly good job of disagreeing on many small things. And usually in church life, what happens when people disagree is after a while, they use a theological reason, and then they go and start another church. But there's something, there's something in the Christian story which says, actually, we are better together that we are called together, not because we agree on everything, not because we come from the same languages or we have the same flag on our passports, because we come from the same denomination or we agree on what kind of music you should have, whether you should have liturgy or spontaneity, flag waving or folding of arms, what political party you vote for or how you see certain moral issues worked out through the lens of the gospel, but rather because we have something that holds us together that is bigger than any of those things. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That we are united by the gospel. Paul calls it the issues of primary importance, which is simply this, that Jesus was the son of God, that he died, that he rose again, and that through him we can have life for eternity. That's the gospel. right? And so actually what Paul says is that you will probably not agree on all the small stuff. But because we are saved by grace, even though we're a bit of a mess, even though we don't deserve it, 
even though it's a free gift, like it is the cross of Jesus which unites us. That we are here to know him, to love him, to encounter him, and to make him known throughout the world. And I love that idea because it basically levels the playing field beautifully, right? It says that actually no, no one of us has it all together. No one of us deserved it. No one of us has the religious high ground. We don't, no one has a monopoly on truth in the room. But in fact, we are called under the banner of Christ to be one. Because I want you to think for a minute. I want you to think about some Christians who you have a hard time with. An individual. And we think about a group. An idea. Like, who is it that you find really hard Who is it that you'd be tempted to exclude if you got your way? Well, let me tell you this. Jesus doesn't exclude them. You know, when Jesus put his arms out on the cross, it was for you and it was for me and it was for everyone to say, like, actually, I did this for the whole world. I did this for you. And the only way to therefore reject that idea, to reject our eternal future, is to reject Jesus himself. We are called to commit to one another, to grow together, to recognize that actually we cannot do it on our own and we shouldn't even try. We're supposed to be the kind of people who model to the world what it looks like to encourage and to bless and to prefer and to build up. That's what the church is, this beautiful, dynamic, growing, serving, diverse community of Jesus people who love each other, who benefit each other. And and let's just name that it's quite hard Anyone else find that a bit hard? Like, it's quite hard to do that. Let me, let me just very carefully name that next year, we, we have an election year in our nation. And let me just say that the last one didn't go very well for Christians loving one another, right? You know, I, I can't remember, I was new to the US, but so many people came to me and said, like, I'm no longer talking to my brother, or I'm no longer talking to my mom or my dad, or I'm no longer talking to my friends. I've left my church. Like, I'm out of here because I can't agree on certain things. Now, A vintage next year, I can tell you, we will not be telling you who to vote for or anything like that. But I have got a prayer. And my prayer is that by the end of 2024, we might be able to say we loved each other really well. That we respected each other really well. That we heard each other really well. And that we would model something of unity and beauty and truth in our world. Can we do that? It's going to be hard, but we can do it right? We really need each other. In fact, would you just take a moment, just turn to the person next to you and just quickly say to them, I really need you. I really... Okay. If you didn't know them before, you now know them. Turn to the other person, just say, I really need you. We really need each other. And I think for Vintage, this is going to be the defining point of what it's going to look like over the next year. I think the strength of our church in so many ways will be determined by the strength of our relationships. You know, let's be honest and say we, we live in a cultural moment. It's a sea of, of loneliness, of FOMO, of consumerism, of privately driven consumer choice spirituality. We live in a time when so many people are burned by religion. Let's just name it. I, I, can't, I don't think a week goes past where I don't meet someone who said, like, I grew up in Christianity, I grew up in the church, but I'm just done. I don't think I can do it anymore. But I wonder... I wonder if the future of health for the Christian world, the Christian community, is actually not a journey towards private spirituality, but it's a commitment toward each other.
That we might actually be the kind of people who, like Ruth a couple of Sundays ago that we heard about, say to each other, like, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Like, actually, I am here for you. I came to help you grow. I came to help you learn. I came to help serve you and bless you. Yes, that's my greatest prayer for us as a community, that we would model something of the kingdom in the way that we live together. And so everything I want to just tell you quickly about the future is under that banner of helping us grow together. And so here's, here's a few just quick things which I think are going to mark out the next year. The first one is that we really want to continue to grow in our gathering times on Sundays. You'll know up in the balconies, we still have plenty of seats up, up there. And we have no vision to be a mega church. We're not trying to impress anyone. But every time I look, I always have a name on every seat. And it's a name of somebody who was hurt by the church, somebody who has rejected Jesus, somebody who's never heard the good news of Jesus at all. Wouldn't it be incredible over the course of this year if we became the community that, that consistently saw new people come to faith? who consistently saw people come back into church community even after walking away. So we're going to grow. We're going to increase even the diversity of voices that we hear. You might have noticed this last year through the preaching cohort and different kinds of preachers, we've tried to like, increase our racial diversity. We've tried to increase our age spectrums. We've tried to give different voices. And sometimes that can feel a little uncomfortable Occasionally, I've had an email from a few of you saying, like, I didn't like what they said. And inwardly, I have thought, I'm so sorry, but that's actually really good. <laughs> it's really good that we hear voices that challenge us and provoke us to think about what we believe. This year, we want to increase uh, in our community groups and process groups to find those places where we can say we are known, where we belong, where actually we are involved in each other's lives. We want to increase opportunities for serving. And not because it's about volunteering. It's never about volunteering. It's about finding our gifts. It's about blessing one another. It's about discovering who we were made to be and then outworking it in community together. I will tell you quite honestly that the most fun I've ever had in church was administering in kids' ministry. It's way more fun than preaching. You should try it. Like, it's great. We want to create space for serving, and we want to create space across our age ministries. Um, we're so blessed to have Katie, who you heard from earlier, who looks after our middle schoolers. So grateful to have Matt Bird, who looks after our high schoolers. But I hope that this year we're going to see many, many new families join us. We're looking to hire a new preschool pastor, and, and we want to see our young people not as you know, the church of tomorrow who have to behave, but actually is the church of today, as the community of faith together in time and space. And then finally, what I really pray is that we would learn to be increasingly people who live out our faith outside of Sundays and community groups. A couple of Sundays before we moved into this building, I remember saying to those of you who were there, saying that the greatest gift of moving into a big old church in the city of Pasadena will be that we are in the heart of the city. But I also said to our church at that point, the greatest danger is we're going to move to a big old white building in the heart of the city, which has big walls and big doors, which are going to get shut during the week, that we could get lost 
inside our own lives and never engage with the world outside. And so my prayer is, my prayer is that this year we would discover more avenues to bring the good news of Jesus into the world around us. We'll continue to run Alpha. But beyond Alpha, we're also going to have things like the marriage course you just heard about, which will not be in the building. It will be in the coffee shop. We're going to have cars and coffees events, men's events, women's events, places where we can actually meet people like where they actually are today with the questions and the fears and the struggles that they have. We're going to be sending teams to Mexico. We'll be working more with our partners who you heard about a minute ago. But also, um, which you probably don't know, is that every week, every day, part of our giving goes to resource new church plants in the Vintage Network. Um, and in the beginning of 2024, we're hoping to be part of launching the next of the Vintage Churches in the network, which is going to be in South Bay, uh, down on the west side. So I don't know if any of you feel called to South Bay. It's a nice place on the beach. But we'll have a new church down there next year, which is amazing. Like, praise God for what he's doing. But we want to help each other see ourselves not as Christians on Sundays, people who go to work in the week, but actually people who minister the good news of Jesus all the time, in every place, in every space. And so next week, we're starting a new sermon series called Thanks God It's Monday, to talk about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesdays. And so here's my simple conclusion, is, is an invitation really to ask you to join us. Stick six is not a marketing ploy, it's an invitation to community and life together. We don't use the word membership here, but we do sometimes simply just use these four markers, which are like, don't just date anyone, but go steady with vintage. And if that's you, if that's what you'd like to find out about, here's my four things for you as I close. Number one, would you join us on Sundays? I think it's a radically countercultural statement now in the, in the world around us to say, Sunday, I'm going to be at church. Number two, would you join us for a community group? Sign up tomorrow morning for Alpha or for one of the community groups or the marriage course. Number three, would you serve on a team? I can promise you that there's always more ministry than we are able to be involved in yet because we simply don't have team and leaders to resource new ministries and visions yet. And then finally, would you join us in generosity? I said last year we had a 50% giving increase target, which was very scary. I can also tell you that the board and the finance team have set us another giving target for this year, 50%, and it's scary. But it's not so that anyone would get rich, it's so that all of those things that you just heard, marriage courses and in, uh, help working with children and support for mission partners, all of that can happen. And it's not about sugar daddies, it's about us. And so Laura and I, you know, every month, we commit to give of our first and of our best back into the life of the church because we know of no better place to invest it for the kingdom. And we want to give regularly and sacrificially knowing that God will multiply it. And so I hope you'll join us. I hope you will join us this year. I hope that you'll bring your gifts and your talents and your questions and your time. I hope that you'll bring your energy and your enthusiasm and even the fears and brokennesses that you have too and that you'll find home here. I, my prayer is, as Paul prays it for the church in Rome, that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to sing and respond in worship. Um, so if you're able to stand wherever you are. 
and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for our family. Thank you for our community and all we've experienced of you. Thank you that there's so much we've yet to see. Thank you for saving us, for meeting us in our brokenness and showing us salvation and life. And so Lord, this morning as we just celebrate, celebrate in worship, celebrate in lunch, celebrate through creativity of art, would you come and fill us again by your Holy Spirit. Give us a vision for your family, for your church, for your community. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord.